You're listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, the double L team. It's Encounter with God time. We're about to have our Bible study before we have our Bible study. Before we do, we always do question of the day and not question of the day, (laughs) quiz 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 questions, quiz Uh questions, and we do uh, Text text messages. We hear what you guys have to say. Now, our next quiz question. After yes. his crucifixion, Jesus walked with two men on the road leading where? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go in the draw to win our prize for this week. God cares. The two-volume set, a verse-by-verse, in-depth study of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. This is something that you definitely need. You can be your own theologian. And I I sincerely love that prospect. For all of you and for myself, we can know what the Bible says. We can know what God is trying to communicate with us. And that's exactly what these books set out to do. Give us information about two incredibly amazing books in the Bible than you'll learn in Revelation. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And if you call and text and answer the with the question correctly, you'll go into the draw for these books. But again, that question was, after his crucifixion, Jesus walked with two men on the road leading where? All right, let's move from the double L team to the triple L team. Who's who's that? Lyle. Uh-huh. Lawson. Uh-huh. Listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Text message is right here. Triple L team. All right. Okay, so here's our text. The first one talks about the Hubble telescope. Great idea. It's cheaper to improve a telescope that has given us so much for so long. Mm. Who knows how much more it can discover? Mm. Everything that it has discovered was made by God. Amen. I I agree. Keep keep using the thing as long as it will last. Mm. Uh, Energy from the coal mining industry will be with us for many years yet. The world is not ready to go without it just yet. It still produced about a third of the global electricity generation. China is still the biggest producer and consumer of coal. Mm-hmm. So there must be there must be some countries that are way, way ahead and way down on coal for us to have not increased it last year. That's right. Uh, because China's just, uh, they pretty much ignore that. Well, stuff. including Australia. Like, as in uh, Australia, most of the events, like, increased electricity here in Australia was met with renewable energy. Yes. But what I find is so funny about that, so, like, about, you know, China being the biggest producer of coal, that is, uh, and the biggest consumer of coal, which is something that definitely be- uh, benefits us here who lives in Newcastle, because our economy runs on coal. Like, we are... <laughs> Newcastle exists because of coal. And I find it so funny, because... So, my dad, right? Yes. My dad, like, he he's not, like, a racist guy or anything, but he is very nationalistic. He loves Australia. He loves Australia. He loves he's, Australia. He's patriotic. And he's patriotic, and he's like, I'm only going to buy Australian products. And so, when he looks on the back of a product, if, if he's in Coles or wherever, buying whatever, he looks on the back of the product. If it's, can you even live like that? He can. There you go. He pretty much, he only buys Australian products. Sometimes he branches out Western products. He might get something if it's American or whatnot. His car was made in Thailand. <laughs> Don't mention that to him. Okay. No, because then if he sees that, if he looks at something and he's like, 
you know, might be from like China or Japan or something. He's like, no, nah, puts it back on the shelf. And he's like, I'm only buying, yeah, I'm only buying well, good on your dad. Australian products because I want to support Australian businesses in the Australian economy. Yes. And I'm not going to prop up any other country. That's my dad's thinking, right? Okay. okay. But he works in the coal mining industry <laughs> here in Newcastle, <laughs> of which its entire purpose is to prop up the Chinese economy. <laughs> so, your well, dad to prop would, up your, our economy. Your dad would probably economy. argue that it's propping up our economy because we are selling <laughs> the coal. That's right. But I, I just find it really hilarious. I'm like, oh, yeah, Dad, you're doing a, a great job at stifling the this Chinese is Lawson economy. Lawson calling his dad out on it. Live, yeah. Shout out my dad. I love him. But I just, <laughs> I just find that h- hilarious. And he'll admit to that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Polygamy, what's new? They have legalized everything else. We do live in the last days. I would be surprised if it didn't happen, mm. as it was in the days of Lot. The children always suffer. And this is one of the interesting things when you look at polygamous societies around the world is the children really do suffer. Oh, yeah. Uh, particularly if you look at those countries in Africa where polygamy is very, very common. Um, it creates a massive, massive incel community, which then creates a massive amount of violence because the situation you have is pretty much, you know, you'll have warlords who will have, you know, a couple hundred wives thereabouts, mm. and then you'll have massive groups of young teenage men, you know, because males and females are born at about the same rate, but if all of the females are soaked up by a few alpha males, then you have all of these 18, 19, 20-year-old men. That's when their testosterone peaks. Their only chance of ever having a wife is violence. Mm. That's their only chance. And the only way that they can get a wife pretty much is that they have to get a gun. The only way they can get a gun is to steal a gun. The only way they can steal a gun is to be present on a battlefield and find somebody who has been shot and take their gun off of them. Mm. And so what you have is situations where children, whenever they hear the sound of gunfire, they go running towards it because it's their only hope of a future. Mm. That's what polygamy does. Wow. And then furthermore, like for that warlord to keep his several hundred wives, that is attributed to oppressing them through, say, female circumcision and just... Oh, Don't even get started on what polygamy does to women. Mm. What it does to children is horrific. Mm. What it does to women is just mind-boggling. Mm. And, yeah, okay, so we just legalised that in the United States. Mm. Fun times. I can remember back in the day when the same-sex community just wanted to just let us live and let live. Don't make it illegal. Mm. And so we said, okay, it's not illegal anymore. And then they said, well, now we want legal benefits, the same as marriage. Mm. And so we gave them legal benefits, the same as marriage. And then they were like, well, then we want marriage. And when they got married, they vowed that they wouldn't force it on other states. It was just like, oh, you know, do it by state by state thing. And then they forced it on the other states and said that it wouldn't lead to religious persecution. And now you're in a situation where you can open a newspaper any weekend and there's a lawsuit involving a Christian business, business owners, Christian teachers, Christian schools, Mm. Christian adoption agencies all fighting for their lives, fighting for their existence. Mm. The people who made the most out of this are lawyers. Mm. That's the world that we live in right now. In relationship to the interview, I hope everyone knows there will be only vegetarians in heaven. Amen. No one is going to kill animals. Mm. There will be no more pain for anyone or anything. So you better start now. Yeah, get a slice of heaven today. Yeah. Go plant-based. Absolutely. I think it's a fantastic idea. Mm. Uh, Because, yes, when we all get to heaven, you will all be like me, plant-based. Yep. Well, no, you're plant-based. I'm vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I'm lactose over vegetarian. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I, I, I can be plant-based very easily. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yes. okay. I love it when people say that. I can be plant-based. I did for 10 it's like, years. well, then just, just do it. Yeah, I should. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our Bible study, Ezekiel 18 and verse 4. Lawson, what have you got for us there? Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18, verse 18 4. and please, verse Please, please, please be a good translation. Yeah. Oh, no, I, 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 you know what? I have some confidence today. Okay. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, where the Bible says, as I find it here on the page, For all people are mine to judge both parents and children alike. And this is my rule. The person who sins is the one who will die. Your translation is lame. How did I know it was going to be lame? (laughs) (sighs) Lyle, that's a microaggression. You can't can't use the word lame. Lyle, that is offensive to to lame people. (sighs) And if you say my translation is bad, that's offensive to the people who made it. And so... It's uh, bad. Uh, let me read it from. <laughs> let me read it from KJV. <laughs> Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father. So also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sins, it shall die. Then you go down to verse twenty. Notice what it says in verse twenty: "The soul that sins, it shall die." Mm. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. The Bible is pretty plain right here. Mm. In fact, the Bible is exceptionally plain. There is not a single passage anywhere in the Bible where the Bible where the Bible says that the soul is immortal, but there's certainly plenty of them where the Bible says the soul is mortal. mortal. Yeah, wow. Subject to death. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. Okay, so the soul is subject to death. Let's look at some of these other passages that relate to this and let's ask ourselves the question, why? Mm. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Yes. What's the purpose behind that? What is God's purpose in in making the wages of sin death? I mean, you can do some pretty small sins, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That have pretty small. Every sin has consequences, but some sins are like really, really small. Well, and have just minuscule con- consequences. I would say the reason that the wages of sin is death is is one that that is almost incredibly naturalistic in a sense. You sin, so therefore you are disconnected from God because you go against him and his ideals and his will. You you make a choice to disconnect yourself from God and a being that lives in a universe that is completely created and sustained by God that is disconnected by God will naturally die. But then the thought is, okay, well, why doesn't God then step in and somehow supernaturally preserve the sinner in their state of being sinful for eternity? Uh, and that is because that would lead to the greatest suffering anyone could ever experience. I I feel as though there's a reason why people, when they get old, are open and accepting to death. And that is because, you know, definitely the state that they're in, they are weary, they are tired, their their bodies are uh, gone. But it, it's interesting in the world that we live in that that age is getting younger and younger and younger and we have a, a pandemic of depression and mm. suicide that is sweeping across because people can identify 
how empty, how terrible, and how awful sin is. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they come to a conclusion, well, it's just not worth living. So if we preserve that then for eternity, a state of not, like, of life being so full of suffering that it exists, but existing for eternity, ultimately, happiness and love and all the potential that can come from it is done away with. It is a blessing that sin has has its days numbered. And this is one of the things that you see depicted from time to time in the movies. Mm. You know, they'll have this superhero who is somehow immortal or who has a very long life and was lived for, you know, 500 years or 1,000 years or whatever it might be, mm. and they're miserable. Mm. They're always miserable. Mm. And, you know, the movie will go through and eventually they reach the point where they can start to age or die or whatever, and they're so relieved. Mm. And that's because our world is a horrible, horrible place. Mm. So the first one of the purposes of sin is to alleviate suffering. Sorry, one well, of the purposes the death. of death is to yeah. alleviate suffering. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we want to take this a step further, though, let's, let's, let's think about this. So you get a really small sin, like a little white lie or something rather, that has very small consequences to it, and we think, oh, well, that's kind of nothing. And, you know, if we caught our kid doing that, we would, you know, we would probably, we would discipline them for sure. But, but in a very light way. Yes, in, in a way that was, that reflected mm. the severity of the crime. For sure. But God will kill them for that sin. Yeah. So let's look a bit deeper at this then, because I think I think the point that you raised is just a, a, a really excellent point. But let's go another step deeper. Why would God? I mean, let's face it: taking the piece of fruit mm-hmm. was a very small sin. Mm-hmm. Like a re, God said, "Don't touch it." They touched it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like God said, you know, don't go and kill someone, and they went and killed someone. Mm. No, they just touched a piece of fruit Mm. and came under the sentence of death. And so a very, very small sin, God's like, I'm going to kill you for that. Mm. What's going on there? Well, again, I I feel like it's it's just a, a thing of natural consequences, really. Like being disconnected from God leads to death. Okay, so let's let's let me pick up on the thought that you were sharing there a minute ago where you talk about how awful our world is. Yes. Our world is awful because of the existence of sin, mm. right? Mm. How much how many sins did it take to bring that awfulness into our world? One. It's kind of like a virus. It's kind of like a slippery slope. Wow, a slippery slope. There <laughs> yeah. you go. A slippery slope comes back. Yeah. But you think about this. For you to get sick with a virus, mm. how many viruses do you need to get into your body? One. One. Mm. And it might take a virus. You know, if you get one virus, it might take it a while for it to start replicating and to reproduce itself to the point mm. where you start to experience symptoms. Mm-hmm. But you only need one. That's right. And let's say that you've got a virus that, and I know I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again because we need to understand these verses that we're looking at here in the context of the purpose of death. Mm. What is the purpose of death? Okay, so sin is like a virus, and it's an incurable virus. Mm -hmm. It gets into your blood. Once it is there, there is nothing you can do about it. It is going to create 
misery mm-hmm. until you die. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you're going to pass it on to everybody that you come in contact with. So mm-hmm. it's a contagious envir- or virus. We have that possibility, have that possibility of passing it on. Okay, well, and, and let's say that it's, a, it's an incredibly contagious virus and it only exists in you in the world right now. So you've got this virus, it's in your bloodstream, it only exists in you. If you come in contact with anyone else, they're going to catch it and they're going to die the same horrid, miserable death that you're going to die. Mm. There is no cure. Everybody dies from it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what is the solution then? Uh, well, let's say, let's say, no, let me, let me say that there's no cure. Everybody suffers from it and lives. Mm. And so they all just live in pain for the rest of eternity. They're immortal. So what is the solution then? Okay, the solution then is that we quarantine you and kill you and once you are dead, the virus then no longer exists and the universe is now clean and the universe can go back to living free from pain. Yeah. This is why, this is the purpose of death. The purpose of death is to eradicate. So the purpose of the first death is to limit sin. Mm-hmm. So the first death is the death that we all die where you know we just grow old and die, and that limits sin. The purpose of the second death, which is annihilation, is to eradicate sin. And this is something there where a, a lot of a lot of people who are Christians and who believe the Bible believe all kinds of things about God mm. and about the Bible, which may be true or maybe not true. Mm-hmm. But let's say that they are true. What a lot of people never look for is God's purpose, and the and, and a question that a lot of people never ask is, what is God's purpose in doing this? Mm. You know, what is God's purpose in the seven last plagues? What is God accomplishing here? What is God's purpose, you know, in, in you know, uh, the 1,000 years at the end of time? What is God actually accomplishing with that? A lot of people will then line up, you know, an eschatology or a list of end time events or a flow chart or whatever it might be. If this is going to happen and then that and then this and then the other. And they get it all lined out on a piece of paper and it'll be all kinds of full of all kinds of interesting mm. and creative information. You know, there might be a secret rapture thrown in there or somewhere or an antichrist ruling out of Jerusalem or, or whatever it might be. A, a, a literal Battle taking place in the Valley of Megiddo, Megiddo. You know, it goes on and on and on. The between listing. Russians and everyone else. Yeah, and they'll list all the different countries that are going to be involved, etc. And uh, when they do, it's very creative and interesting to look at, but it tells you nothing about God's purpose. Mm. God never does anything without a reason. Mm. And the reason that that death exists, the reason that the wages of sin is death, is so that God can get rid of sin, pain, mm. and suffering. In fact, if we go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, we can read about it right there. Revelation chapter 21. <clears throat> and we're going to read here, Lawson, if you could read for us verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no pain, no more death, uh, sorrow or crying or pain. 
All these things are gone forever. Okay, so there's going to be no more suffering, pain, or death. Why mm. have they gone? Because sinners have died. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to 11th Hour right there with Adam's Fall. It is The Breakfast Show here with the... Quadruple L? The quadruple L, quadruple L team. Quadruple L team? Do you know who's involved in the quadruple L team? Lyle. Uh-huh. Lawson. Uh-huh. Listeners. Uh-huh. And the Lord. I, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Johanna sent that one through to me. Shout out, Johanna. Oh, so good. That so is, good. The quadruple, the quadruple L team. quadruple L team. Mm. Amazing. If we can find another one, what's it going to be? What do you call the quint- five? The quintuple. Quint- quintuple. Yeah, team. yeah, but I think quadruple is the limit. I don't know. Maybe we got some smart listeners out there. Maybe uh-huh. we can come up with something else. Uh huh. Okay. Maybe there's a yeah. Go for Let's it. See. Well, hey, we have our final question for the quiz today. On which day of the week did the manna not appear in the wilderness? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our amazing God Cares Bible Study. What do I call this? Commentary resource. It's basically a verse by verse Bible studies on the books of Daniel and Revelation. So get your answers in so you can win this. But again. On which day of the week did the manna not appear in the wilderness? 0491-064-669. There you go. Okay, let's uh, jump back into our Bible study. We were talking about the purpose of death. The purpose of death is so that pain and suffering doesn't exist anymore. Mm. That's that's the whole reason it exists. Mm. Mm. To limit it. If, if there is no logical explanation as to why God would say that the wages of sin is death, Unless it is to eliminate pain and suffering. Mm. Okay. Now we have a purpose for death. Mm. We have a reason for it existing. Yes. Then you throw in the immortality of the soul. The concept of the immortality of the soul does away with all reason for death to exist. Yep. It completely nullifies it. Now, there is no purpose for death to exist whatsoever at all because the immortality of the soul says that pain and suffering will continue for eternity. Mm. And some people say, oh, but not for everybody, but for the majority. Mm. That's the implication. If, 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 if the soul is immortal, then the majority of people, you know, look around you today, the majority of people don't serve the Lord, and so therefore the majority of people will suffer for eternity. Mm. And the whole point of death is gone. Mm. You know, death has a death has has no purpose whatsoever if pain and suffering continues. Mm-hmm. So the immortality of the soul is completely done away with the concept of why the wages of sin is death. And you know, anyway, that's why the Bible says right here that the soul that sins it shall die. Let's go to Matthew chapter ten and verse twenty-eight. Matthew ten and verse twenty-eight. We've got some more verses to look at here. Oh, I wanted to look at something in Revelation actually, but we can go to Matthew eighteen. Just, just for you. Which part? Which Matthew, Matthew 18? 10, 10. 10. Oh, we can go to Matthew 10, Lyle. Uh, okay, then we go to Revelation. You can have yours next. Ah, okay, okay, okay. So I'll read this one quickly. What's the... <laughs> yeah, see, this is what happens. You're not even listening. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10, 
And yep. verse 28. Verse 28. The Bible says, Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What does the Bible say here in the clearest possible language? That hell, being the, a word for the grave, your soul is destroyed. Your soul is not yes. immortal. Yes. Your soul is destroyed. Yes. Eternally burning in hell is not, is not destruction. No, that's preservation. That's yeah. the complete opposite <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of destruction. Exactly. And, oh, so, you know, I find it really interesting reading uh, the book of Revelation. You yes. know, you come to verse, uh, tw- like, 21 and verse 4, as we just read. That's right. And it tells us that... There will be si- no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain. It brings it to a total end, right? Yes. Just preceding this, it's like the conditions that have come upon the universe to lead to this fact being true is that then I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared or passed away. Um, yes. So this old earth and old heaven, the oh, old heavens and earth, finished over, they've, gone, they've, they've, they've passed away. They're Not gone. Back. Now, why is that significant in relationship to sin and suffering coming to an end. And that is because if you just go a few verses up to what's happening in Revelation chapter 20, well, you know, in the previous chapter, it basically describes that everyone is being thrown into the lake of fire, going through the experience of hell, all of the lost are going through the experience of hell on earth. Okay. So that's where they are. They're on earth in the lake of fire Mm. being destroyed. And then there were some who would say, okay, well, they're preserved in that state for the rest of eternity. But then the Bible, again, says in the clearest possible language, it then says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. We see, it's like, if the old heaven and old earth, where hell is taking place, yes. have passed away. In fact, in my They're Bible, gone. a more a more uh, modern translation, it just says disappeared, ceased to exist. Uh-huh. If that is what taking place is, what's taking place, mm-hmm. then how can you say that people are burning for eternity? Because they're not. They're not. They're passed away. They're disappeared. It's gone. Yes. It's all gone. It's all of hell is is gone. Yes. It's disappeared. It's destroyed. Which. Makes sense to me from a logical perspective because it's like, okay, all of these wicked that in Revelation 20, they've been resurrected, they've gone through the judgment, they're standing there before God, and then the whole earth, you know, the old earth becomes a big ball of fire, a lake of fire in which all the wicked are punished. Okay, Lyle, mm. if I light you on fire right now. Please don't. I won't. Thank if I you. douse you in gasoline and light you on fire and keep dousing you and keep lighting you on fire, mm. well, we call this cremation, right? Yes. And what is your condition? What's your state after going through that? Ash. Ash. Right? So so ash. Yes. Which then can, like, you know, if you opened up the urn and ch- chucked it into the wind. Blows away. Just blows away and disappears. Yes. If you lit. Every single wicked person and the entire earth on fire for long enough. What happens to it? Ash. It turns into ash. And the wind blows it away. And the wind blows it away. Yes. And that's it. It's gone. It's Mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. I I feel like 
Ah, uh, when I read these passages, when we just we, we were talking yesterday about how how deeply ingrained this idea of the immortality of the soul and eternally burning hell, how deeply ingrained it is into society and and culture regarding religion and Christianity. Whereas when you read the Bible, you just read the words that it says. It's like does not describe that in any way. Nothing that you could read here, you could ever come to the conclusion that people have an immortal soul and live forever. And why is that? Because they're being destroyed in hellfire and the place where hellfire is happening is blown away. It's gone. It's gone. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I'm like, I kind of sound like I'm ranting, but you know, it's, I have talked to so many people about this point. I've given so many Bible studies on this topic and I've met so many people who, like from so many different cultures, who advocate for this idea of the immortality of the soul and particularly from a Christian standpoint, they're like, oh, you know, you believing that the hell doesn't last for eternity, that's weird. I'm like, no, what you believe is weird because firstly, it's super immoral, it's super unjust and purposeless. Random. And and more than anything, it's not in the Bible. That's right. <laughs> it's just not there. Like, you know, if anyone ever challenges you and says, hey, no, we burn in hell for eternity, I and, and maybe you yourself are a propagator of those ideas and maybe that's something you believe, please read Revelation 20 and 21 and you will see what the Bible says on this topic. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson. Correct. Time for answers for our quiz questions. Time for message uh, question of the day. It's all coming up right now. All right. Oh, this one is actually going to be related to question of the day. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Fill in the blank here. Counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise. Proverbs 19 and verse 20. Uh, Hezekiah used a poultice of figs. For his boils after the crucifixion, Jesus walked with two men on the road to Emmaus. And finally, it was on the Sabbath day when the manna did not appear in the wilderness. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day! All right, well, our question of the day comes from Freco, and he asks, Melchizedek, Hebrews 5 and verse 6, is he a heavenly body is he a divine being what's, what's yeah actually deal? it's an interesting question a lot of people uh, do assume this because of what it says there in hebrews chapter 5 and uh, they kind of miss the point of what hebrews what what paul is actually trying to argue here in uh, the book of hebrews in relationship to jesus so in hebrews chapter 5 where is it uh, down here in verse 6 who said also another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh. You know, it goes on and on and uh, and it talks about, you know, he has, um, you know, no beginning of years or end of days um, and is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, etc. Verse 10, I think, um, yeah, verse 10 called of God a priest after the order of Melchizedek down in chapter 6 and verse uh, 20 where the forerunner is entered in, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who made Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. 
um, to whom Abraham also gave tenth part of all, first by being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually. And so a, a lot of people on this particular passage right here, they rather than actually looking at what Paul is trying to address, looking at the context, the question that Paul is trying to answer, just read that one verse on itself, and it definitely sounds like Melchizedek is a divine being right here. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question, what what question is it that Paul is trying to address? Paul is trying to establish the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, he is trying to establish the priesthood of Jesus Christ to Jewish people. Now, of course, to a Jewish person, it was impossible for Jesus to be a priest for two reasons. Number one, he was not a Levite. Mm. He could not work his way through his lineage, through his descent, through his father, his mother, uh, through where he came from to show that he was a Levite. Therefore, he could never be a priest. Paul is saying, well, he actually is a priest. And the second thing is that particularly by the time Paul writes the book of Hebrews, he's too old to be a priest. Mm. You could begin your the office of a priesthood at the age of 30 and you finished at the age of 50. And so a Jewish person would say, you can't argue that Jesus is a priest because that's against everything that the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a priest must be a descendant of Levi, and Jesus wasn't, and the Bible teaches that a priest, and, and must be able to trace his descent back to Levi as his parents, and also must be within age. And if Jesus is still alive right now in heaven, he is past 50 years of age, Therefore, he can't be a priest. And so Paul turns around and says, yeah, good point right there. What about Melchizedek? Which was greater, Levi or Melchizedek? Mm. Because Abraham, who was the ancestor of Levi and therefore greater than Levi, paid tithes or returned tithes to Melchizedek, which makes Melchizedek greater than Abraham. Abraham is greater than Isaac. Isaac is greater than Jacob. Jacob is greater than Levi. Mm. Therefore, Melchizedek was a greater priest even than Levi. So he's saying there is a different order of priests. Mm. Okay, so why does he say without father, without mother? The answer is very simple. Jesus cannot trace his lineage to Levi through his father and mother. Mm. Why does he say without beginning of days or end of years? The answer is very simple. Jesus cannot trace the beginning of his priesthood to the age of 30 and then ending it at the age of 50 because he, as Paul goes on to say, abides a priest forever. He extends past the age of 50. And so this is why Paul, you're kind of missing the whole point of what Paul is arguing about Mm. if you make Melchizedek a divine being. If you make him a human being, then the passage makes sense and we go, ah, Now I get what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that Jesus is a greater priest than any Levitical priest because he is the same kind of priest, a priest after the order or belongs to the same order of priesthood that Melchizedek belonged to, which Mm. does not require lineage and does not require an age limitation. That does not make Melchizedek a divine being. It makes him a different kind of priest, and it certainly doesn't make Jesus the same person as Melchizedek. Hey, Lyle. Yes. I just realized there's five L's. 
the, the oh, quintuple no. out show. You ready? The quintuple out <sighs> show. So you've got Lyle. Yes. Lawson. Yes. The listeners. Yes. yes. The, the Lord. Lord. That's four. And the loser, who's Shell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are in so much trouble right now. Your Maybe microphone. The leader, you know. The loser. She lost at table tennis during the break, so, you know, she is the loser. Yes, for those who don't know, we had a bit of a break there, a bit of uh, songs and news that were playing. I think uh, producer Shell and Lawson du- ducked out to play table tennis while Lyle held the fort right here and made sure nothing went wrong. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus today. God be with you till we meet. Oh, didn't expect that one. Oh. <laughs> God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet, Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.